All right. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Okay. Hey, we're starting a brand new series today. It's called Signs, as you saw by the thing that says signs right there. Um, and we're just going to walk through, through the book of John. We're going to look at the miracles that Jesus performed throughout that book. Uh, it's just going to lead us up into Easter. And so I'm really excited about this series. I like preaching stories um, from the Bible, and so I'm, I'm obviously super pumped about this. Before we get into the message, though, can we just be excited that we made it through one year? So our one year, yes. <laughs> we made it against all odds. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I'm just so excited and grateful for what God is doing. Um, not only what he's done in our church community, a year ago we started um, with 17 core members, and so God's taken us a long way in a year, and so we're really excited and grateful about that. Um, but I'm more grateful about what God is doing in our lives individually. Um, he's been growing me a lot as, as your pastor. He's been growing our team a lot, and so we're just excited for the future. But today, I told everyone... Um, if you know anything about Strengths Finder, my my top one strength is futurist, and so my mind is always like <laughs> steps ahead, which creates a pattern of discontent and a whole thing. But that's not what I'm talking about today. All I'm saying though is today we're not talking about the future. We're just gonna celebrate today and have fun today. And so make sure afterwards, go to the photo booth in that room. It's just in the room off the lobby. Get your picture taken. Have some cake and let's celebrate because. It's our birthday, right? And we were supposed to have our birthday last week, so this technically isn't our birthday, um, but that wasn't either, So because we were going to celebrate on Super Bowl Sunday, then we set it back a week, then it was Snowstorm Sunday, and now here we are at this Sunday, way after our birthday, but that's okay. Um, I want cake, so we're going to celebrate. So we're looking at the miracles of Jesus and this week, week one, we're looking at when Jesus turned the water into wine. And it's found in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So if you want to go ahead and throw that up there, we can read this together. It says this, On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. I hope I pronounced that right. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, I think I would get a nice slap if I addressed my mom like that. What does, this, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servant, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, or tasted the water had now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants had drawn the water, that had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, they pour th then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. 
This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for today. God, we thank you that that you've carried us this far and that you've built this church into what it is today. And we, again, just take a moment to give it back to you and, and, and leave this church in your hands and ask that you build this church. And Jesus, uh, we just ask for a greater awareness of your presence in this moment. God, I pray that Pray that you'll just make yourself real or more real to us. God, deepen our faith and strengthen our our trust in you. I pray that we can see ourselves the way you see us and we can walk with confidence and we can walk in freedom, Lord. Jesus, we just trust you and we love you so much. We ask this all in your name. Amen. Uh, one thing you need to know about me, if you don't know, uh, I really love motorcycles, and winter kills me, and I feel like I'm half alive, but that's okay. Again, that's, that's a whole other thing. I'm in therapy. It's okay. I'm just kidding. Um, but I love, I love riding motorcycles, and I remember when I got my first bike, probably five years ago or something, um, I, I, we didn't have a lot of money, so we kind of didn't have much money even for the bike, yet my wife was gracious enough to let me get one. Um, and I didn't have enough money, though, to get a helmet, like a nice one. And so I rode with a helmet, so that's not where this is going. Um, I will start a seminar on riding with a helmet. It's No one can convince me it's better to ride without a helmet. Don't do it. Um, but my friend gave me a hand-me-down of a hand-me-down helmet. And it worked, but the problem was that the screen was super scratched. Um, and now there's having a scratch, and then there's the screen looking like how it looks. And I couldn't see, like you can barely see through it. It might have been more safe to ride without the helmet. I don't know. But I couldn't see much, and then I learned how to ride. Then after a while, I told Kate, listen, um, I'm really glad I got this bike, but... Like, I can't see out of this helmet, and it's uncomfortable and really heavy, and it's too big. So do you want me to keep going down the list of reasons why I need a new helmet? And so she graciously, again, let me buy a helmet that was a bit nicer. And so I finally got a decent helmet. And when I put it on the first ride, I couldn't believe how much more, like, fun (laughs) in general that it was to ride with vision. Like, it was incredible because I could not see before, and now I could see things. The other one had, like, a tiny little thing that you could look through. This was, I could see to the side. It was safe. It was amazing. I could look at things while I was driving, not just squinting, trying to see the road. It changed my life and my whole motorcycle riding experience. Um, And I'm saying all that to say that the lens that you look through kind of determines the experience that you'll have. And before I get into this message, I want us to all get on the same page and and tell everyone that that faith is a lens. Faith is a lens. And listen, the lens that you look through determines the experience that, that you have. 
And if faith is a lens, listen, I think it's a lens that, that, that we look through that, that completely changes the way that we live our lives. A lot of times I view faith as a momentary perspective shift just to get through a season or to get through a struggle or to get through a situation. But really, faith is like putting on a whole new lens and then seeing life in a whole new way. I didn't see this the way I saw it before because I didn't have faith to see this thing. And the crazy thing is, is when I had this scratched up, dinged up helmet, I couldn't really see things correctly. And so a lot of times, like, I would think that something would fly by my face and it, it wasn't even there. Like, it didn't exist. And when we walk through life, and when we even try to follow Jesus with the wrong lens, we see things that aren't even there. It's a lot less safe, it's a lot less practical, and we miss out and we're shortchanged on the experience of walking with Jesus. And faith is not something that you attain, it's not a goal to get through, it's something that you walk with. And so faith changes my here and now. And when I put on that lens and, and make that change and say, I'm going to declare and live in faith, it changes everything for me. So I want us this next year as a church, let's learn to walk with faith. Not try to attain faith, but, but know the fact that if you love and know Jesus and you have given your life, to him, you have faith, and so he can change the way that you experience everyday life and the way that I see and, and experience everything that I walk through because that's how good God is. So faith is a lens that changes the way that we experience and walk through life, and I want to talk to us today about the fullness of faith, the fullness of faith. I just have three points I was going to say quick, but I, I never promise quick anymore because every time I do, I break the promise, so I'm not going to lie. Point number one is this, if you want to throw that up. Faith sees. Faith sees. Now, if you want to hit that verse that it's from, uh, it's from this. Uh, verse 2, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. That's kind of like a, like a duh moment. You know what I mean? They have no wine. Well, yes, thank you. What do they call Captain Obvious? Um, like saying that is an obvious statement is, is, is an understatement. But it was significant that she pointed it out because culturally, back in the day, weddings were a, a big deal. Um, now I guess they're still a big deal because you spend 60 grand on them, but... What they did back in the day was they spent less money, and it was a five to seven day feast. And so it was a big thing. Um, now, granted, they didn't have Instagram or any of that, so they had nothing going on. So that's why they loved, they had the time to have a seven day celebration of someone's wedding. And so at some point throughout this feast, it doesn't really say they ran out of wine. Um, and culturally, again, this is significant because they drank a lot of wine um, in Jesus' day. And not like people were walking around drunk all the time and having to pass breathalyzer tests to drive their camel down. The, you know, like, but it was very recreational and it was a part of their diet, the wine was. 
So um, to run out at a feast was a big deal. And granted, too, they would water down the wine as the feast went on to prevent, um, again, drunk people walking around and running their camels into wells or other camels. You know what I'm saying? Like, that wasn't going on. But when the wine ran out, it was, it was a big deal back then because there wasn't, like, really any substitute. Because now, if, if something ran out, if you had wine and it ran out, you can go grab a ginger ale or something. I don't know. The, you know, there's so many other drinks, but that was all they had back then. So for it to run out, it was a big deal. And so that's why I do love and appreciate Mary's heart just to see this need. There was a need, and, and she did what? She brought the need to Jesus. Faith sees. Faith sees the need. And I think that there's a ton of needs in our world that go unmet because they go unseen. There's a, there's a ton of needs that go unmet because they go unseen. And they often go unseen because we're, we're a lot of times too preoccupied with our own problems that we can't even look past them to see that someone else might have a bigger problem. So faith sees the need, and faith says, Jesus, I trust you with what I'm going through because I don't want to diminish what you're going through. We all go through stuff, and it's very real, and sometimes it's very significant stuff. So I'm not up here trying to diminish or talk down to what you're facing, but I'm trying to say that, that when you put the faith lens on, then it takes your need and it surrenders it to Jesus, and then I know that he's going to take care of it. Because I see my needs differently. So I know if I'm walking with faith that my needs are met by Jesus because I trust him enough to take care of him. And when I know that my needs are going to be met through trust, then I can again come back down to earth and focus on other people's needs. A lot of times we don't even see their needs because we're preoccupied with our own needs. But when we have faith, we trust Jesus enough to know that we're taken care of. Amen? I thought, I thought I was preaching a little bit better than the silence. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that's so good that when we trust him with our needs, he always takes care of them? The best part that I've learned about trusting Jesus with my needs is I surrender them to him. And when I do it, sometimes he doesn't meet the need. He shows me that it wasn't even a need in the first place. And he fills me then with contentment. And I realize... I don't even need anything because I'm so content with, with the fullness of the faith that you've given me, Jesus. And so when I surrender my need to him and I trust him, then I can see the need, though, and I can meet someone else's need, and I can tell them how good God is and how he's changed my life and how he's lightened my burden and, and how he's given me eyes to see clearly and how he's set me free of my struggles. See, we can do that in freedom when we trust him. Now on the other side of this, though, a lot of times we don't see needs. And this is going to speak to the other half of the room. We don't see needs because we're too busy focusing on others' needs that we don't ever take care of our needs. Some people are, are, are like that. 
not selfish people like me, but the other half get preoccupied and I got to do this. I got to take care of this person. I got to take care of that person. I, I got to take care. I'm talking to moms pretty much in the room. I got to take care of, of all this stuff. I got to run the house. I got to feed my kids. I got to have supper ready. And take care of everyone else's needs that you don't look at your needs. And then the danger in that is you don't process what you're going through, and then you use taking other pe- taking care of other people as a vice to, to mask any issue that you have, and you don't process your own feelings, you don't process your own faith, and so you're running on empty, and you don't even have the time to admit it. And the moment that you start to admit it to yourself and start to process it, another need comes up, and then you can distract yourself by taking care of others and justify it because you're taking care of other people. I think it's okay. It's okay for you to have a healthy soul. You have permission to have a healthy soul. And you know why? Because when you have a healthy soul and you, you admit and process your own needs, then you can meet others with authenticity. You can still meet other needs, but it's from a place of fulfillment, and it's an overflow of the fullness that, that the presence of God can bring you. And so it is more than okay, and you have permission from Jesus to focus on your needs and to process what you're going through. And so I say stop distracting yourself. Stop trying to take care of everyone. And maybe for a moment take care of your soul. Because I believe everyone that you're carrying, all the weight that you're carrying and all the people that you're trying to help, I think if we trust God and realize, I need a moment, isn't God good enough to help the other individual take care of their needs? And so I think when when we're too focused on our own needs or we're too focused on other needs, both indicate a lack of trust in God. And so the answer, no matter which perspective, is I gotta change my perspective and I, and I gotta change my lens and I gotta see this thing through the lens of faith and I have to trust Jesus with the outcome of this. Amen? Point number two. Man, I got through point number one quick. Faith participates. You want to throw up the verses, please? And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. Now, believe it or not, this might blow your mind, but I did participate in high school football. <laughs> if you know me, you know now I kind of like loathe sports. And and another side note, I'm absolutely tiny, and back then it was way worse. So when I was a freshman, I played football. And I was um, four foot ten, 
and I'm not going to tell you how much I weighed because it's embarrassing. 89 pounds. 89 pounds, 4 foot 9, or 4 foot 10, and I played football. You can laugh, but if you were 4 foot 9 and 85 or 89 pounds, you would not have played football because you would have been scared. Hey, yo. Um, I played football, and I remember this one specific game. It was the last game of the year, and we were playing. I went to Ishkoming High School. It's in northern Michigan, and we were playing against Gwynn. Now, one thing you need to know, Gwynn High School sucks. So <laughs> we were just demolishing Gwynn. And that means that when you're demolishing the other team, then you get opportunity for the 4'10 kid who gets to play. And so my coach was determined to have me score. And one time he tried. Um, and if you know the term high load, that's where someone gets your ankles and someone gets your upper But I got high load by people. Boom! And they crushed me. And it hurt really bad. And then I tried again, and I got, again, just annihilated. And then he realized, well, I'm not going to have this kid run the ball because he's absolutely tiny. And so then they decided they'll pass me the ball. And they passed me the ball, and I did. I scored. I think it was just an extra point. No big deal. But I'm saying all this to say, there was a very big difference between me, even if I did score, there was a big difference between me standing on the sidelines and actually playing the game. I didn't feel like a part of the team when I was just standing there watching. Um, and now I usually got to play a couple plays per game, so they threw me a bone. But this game, like, he was, he let me score. And then I really felt like, like I contributed. And I'm a part of this. And so when I celebrated, it was, it, was, it was different because before when we would win and I wouldn't do much, I felt like I'm celebrating that we won and I'm celebrating them. Um, when I scored and I got some actual playing time, I felt like I'm celebrating us and, I, and I'm a part of this. And now you could, I could stick it out much longer being a part of it than sitting on the sidelines. And now listen, it's the same thing when we follow Jesus. It's a lot easier to follow Jesus when, when you say, I'm a, I'm a part of this. I'm going to participate in my faith. And now this isn't a hook to get you to join a serve team. I'm talking about participating in your faith outside of a gathering. I'm talking about getting up in the morning or at night or on your lunch break whenever you want to. I'm talking about spending time in the Word, spending time praying and, and just being in God's presence. There's a difference when I have a participatory faith. I can't believe I pronounced that word right. Yes. Um, there's a difference between when I have a participatory faith and a faith that sits on the sidelines. Now, you can serve in church and still have a faith that sits on the sidelines. And so I think that if you want to live and walk in faith and put on the lens of faith, it involves me pursuing and walking with Jesus outside of a gathering. And I think that unleashes and that unlocks a whole new paradigm to our faith and our walk with Jesus. 
and when I'm participating in my faith, then when things get rough, I'm reminded I'm not alone. I'm in this together. So when things are great, it's better. And when things are worse, it's better. There's something about having a participatory faith that breaks through a barrier. And that's when Jesus really comes alive. I think a lot of times we question and we doubt Jesus, and it's okay because I've done the same thing, because we come to church every week, and then we wait for our breakthrough. But I wonder if our breakthrough really happens when we pursue him daily. It's less of an emotional experience that we have each week and more of a lifestyle of walking with him every single day. That's what Jesus lays out. He says, come and follow me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. That's what he calls us to. Walk with him. When we walk with him, and we have faith that participates, that's when I begin to see things differently. That's when I begin to go through a hard or stressful season in life, and then I don't get sucked into the season. I'm reminded of how good God is and that there is a future. And not only that, there's a future, but God is with me now in this mess. And so when, when I have participatory faith that's daily, that's active, that's pursuing Jesus, it breaks through any barrier that I'm facing, and, and I have firm foundation as I walk and follow Am I talking to anybody this morning? <clears throat> I think we're called. We're called to have participatory faith. There's a difference between being a disciple of Jesus and being a churchgoer. Now, I don't want to diminish going to church. We need you to come to church. We love when you come to church. But I wonder if Jesus is waiting for you to participate daily in your faith. And it's not that he's not coming through, and it's not that he's abandoning you. I think that he's just waiting for you to step into the more that he has for you. Amen? Amen. Point number three. Matt, you can come up and help me shut this thing down. Actually, let's have the whole band come up, too. Um, <coughs> faith believes. Faith believes. It says this. So they took it. I love that. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. His disciples believed in him. Faith believes. I want to point out something significant, and that's that this is the first, as it says, this is the first sign or miracle that Jesus ever performed. So before this, he had no credibility, 
Nobody knew who he was, and if he told anyone who he was, they thought he was absolutely insane, as would you. If some dude who was a carpenter said, I'm the son of God, I'm God manifest on earth, I'd be like, okay, I've been uh, getting in the sawdust <laughs> a little bit. Might need to clean out your nose before you stop working for the day. Um, Jesus hadn't performed or, or done anything, yet they believed. They, they trusted him before they even took a step. Faith believes. Faith trusts Jesus. Faith says, Jesus, I don't need you to prove yourself to me. I trust that you already have. Because listen, Jesus already proved himself to us by what he did on the cross. He doesn't have to do anything more. A lot of times I get caught waiting for Jesus to prove himself after I step out in faith. And Jesus is saying, I already have. Why don't you just believe and trust in what I've already done? Jesus does not have to do any more for us to believe. We just ought to believe he is good because of what he's already done for us. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can be set free from our pain. We can be set free from our regrets. We can be set free from our mistakes. We can be set free from the things that, that are holding us back. Because of what he did on the cross, we don't have to walk in, under clouds of depression anymore. We don't have to live in fear and in, in anxiety anymore. We don't have to be perpetually stressed or freaked out because God is good. And if you will believe it, then then you can walk with it. Jesus is just simply waiting for us to stop asking him to prove himself and start believing him because he already has proven himself. Faith believes and sometimes believing him and trusting him, I'm learning, looks differently depending on the circumstance. See, I used to always think that if I was trusting Jesus, that meant that I was stepping out in faith and then he would come through. And so if things weren't looking good or things were going rocky, then my, my tendency is just to take the world on my shoulders and say, we're going and we're going to trust God and we're going to move this way or this way or this way and we're just going to keep trying. And, and that's my tendency is to take it on, on myself. And so whenever I get freaked out about things with church, I, I like take it, take the burden on my own shoulders. And, and then I'm like, oh, we got to do this thing. We got to try this thing. We got we to gotta do this program. We got to do this system. And I was trying to push us forward because that's my tendency. And I thought, well, if faith believes, look at these guys. They, they stepped out in faith and they believed Jesus before he had proven himself. So I got to believe and I got I to gotta go but I wonder if faith is, faith in each situation might always look like our counter intuition. And what I mean is, in a situation when you feel like I have to go and push this thing forward, like I always feel, faith for me is letting go and doing nothing. And taking my hands off and saying, Jesus, I trust you. 
Jesus, I trust you with this. And so I wonder if believing for you, maybe, maybe you're taking steps of faith that you think are steps of faith, but they're actually steps of fear. Because my steps and, and, and all of my work and all my efforts weren't out of faith. They were justified by me convincing myself that it was faith, but it was actually because I was so scared. So I wonder if, if our steps of faith are actually sometimes steps of fear, and God's calling us just to simply wait. Faith believes says, Jesus, you've proven yourself on the cross, and I believe that you love me. I believe that you're good. I believe that you have a plan. So I might, in this situation, I might just have to hang back. I might have to take my hands off, let Jesus have control, and say, Jesus, I trust you. And when we let go and he takes control, it's like, a, it's like it shifts to a whole new page. Our church has grown since I made this shift, and I let go, and I've stopped trying in a good way. I've stopped trying, and I've just been showing up and being healthy and being engaged with what God is doing in the present, and I'm not freaked out anymore. And you can do the same in your life with whatever you're facing. You can just believe and trust Jesus and say, Jesus, anytime I doubt you, anytime I question you, I'm just going to look at your word and remind myself of how good you are. I'm going to look at what you did in the past and what you brought me through and who I was and what you saved me from. And I'm going to trust you with my future. And I'm going to sit back and I'm going to wait and I'm going to watch you work. And so I'm calling us this morning, let's stop trying so hard let's stop striving for the next and let's just let God work in the now and let's believe him and let's trust him and let's follow him and let's walk with him because he is good to us can I get an amen this morning church says in the Bible that God so loved the world that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. See, our faith is believing. So if you're here this morning and maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you're new to this church thing, maybe you're just checking it out and you don't fully believe in him, but you feel a tug on your heart and you think this is the answer that I'm looking for. There's something to this Jesus Best you, I want to tell you that believing in Jesus will change your life. Believing in Jesus means that I can live forever with God. I can, I can walk with Jesus now into that forever because that's how good he is. He wants to walk with you, but we just have to believe in him. If that's you in this place, every head bowed, every eye closed, just slip, in your ha- slip up your hand and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I want you to work in my life right now. I want to give you my life this morning, Jesus. Awesome want to pray over you guys. Lord, we just trust you. We love you, God. I pray for the individual's hands who were raised this morning. Pray that there's a shift in their life as they put on this faith lens and they say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I trust you, God. Help this moment to be a defining moment, a catalyst where they say, I'm not going back to who I was, Jesus. I'm letting you change who I am from this moment. You define me. In your name, amen. Amen. One last thing this morning. I love that Jesus didn't perform the miracle until the wine ran out. 
all the wine was gone. Then the miracle came. I think a lot of times, maybe I'm speaking to myself, we want the miracle and we pray for the miracle, but we don't ever want to put ourselves in a position to have to receive a miracle. We want the new wine, but we don't give Jesus all of the old. We, we don't, we don't want to empty ourselves of the old. But I want to tell someone this morning who's been following Jesus for a while that he has new wine for you. He has a future for you. He has a new for you to step into. He's just waiting for you to trust him fully and say, Jesus, I give you the rest of this old. Now I want to step into the new. I trust you. And see, the breakdown is that I think we get more focused on worshiping what Jesus can do than we do than we just worship Jesus for who he is. Stop worshiping Jesus and praying and seeking Jesus for what he can do and start seeking Jesus and worshiping him for who he is because he is good, because he is mighty, because he is powerful, because he loves you, because he has a plan for you, because he has already set you free. And so let's worship him in spirit and in truth this morning all across this place. Let's stand up wherever you're at. And if you're comfortable, let's raise our hands and let's worship. Jesus, not for the, what he can do, but for who he is and for what he's done. Let's go.